Oh, come let us adore him. We've been looking at how when Jesus landed here on planet Earth, worship exploded. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. When Jesus, the Son of God, landed here on planet Earth, worship exploded. Thank you. Thank you. We can see it in the wise men who traveled nearly a thousand miles from where they were picking up a signal that something significant was happening in Israel in, this, in that moment. And I just heard somebody speak on it the other day. It was about a seventh month journey from, they think it was around Babylon, and that area is someplace that it took them to get from there to eventually Bethlehem where the star hung over. And it tells us in God's Word, they came there for one express purpose. They traveled all that way so that they could worship Him. Then we read about how Mary had her encounter with God's presence and, Mary, and then we read about how Mary was so humbled by the fact that God had incorporated her into his purpose and plan that all she could do was humbly magnify God from her spirit and soul. Worship. And then we read about the shepherds that got caught up. They got caught up in this uh, uh, this this taste of heaven that came down to earth with angelic beings and everything, they got caught up in that. And after going and seeing Jesus, it tells us that they went away from that moment glorifying and praising God. My point is this, that no matter who encountered the Christmas scene, they went away worshiping in their hearts. Worship just exploded when Jesus landed on earth. Uh, Today, I'd like to close out what we've been sharing about by giving you a key. Everybody say key. Key to unleashing worship in your life. We see it unleashed in these other people's lives, but I want to share with you a key to see it unleashed in your life. Because if all we ever do is read about the stories of others, it has no personal significance to us. But if we can see what they saw and encounter what they encountered it will end up releasing that same extravagant worship that we read about in the Christmas story. Now, I'm going to make this really simple for all of us. So simple. There is one word, one word found in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, that is the key to unleashing worship in your life. I'm going to read the verse to you. Then the angel said to them, this is speaking of 
the moment when the shepherds got caught up in this whole thing. It says, then the shepherds or the angels said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Let me read that for you again. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. Now, there are a lot of words there in that verse, but I would submit to you this morning, there is one word in that verse that if you practice it, it will unlock and unleash worship in your life. I promise you. Nope. It's not joy. Behold. One word. Behold. It's very interesting that you can go to a lot of the other translations. I read to you from the New King James translation. But you can go to a lot of the other translations and you will not find the word behold. In fact, as an example, the NIV renders that same verse like this. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. No behold. So, because of my curiosity, I said, I got to figure, I got to look this up. So uh, one of the helpful tools of understanding the Bible is what's called the interlinear translation. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, the interlinear translation is they take the original, in this case, Greek, which is what the New Testament is. They take the Greek and they right above that, they translate it into the English word. Now, the reason that we don't use that translation, you're going to see in just a minute why we don't. But it is very helpful when you go to discover what the actual words are in the Greek translation. Now, I'm going to read that to you in English. I think I may have it for you in a slide here. Go ahead, try that next slide there. <clears throat> Listen to how it's literally worded. Not do be afraid... Behold, for I announce good news to you, joy of great. Now, can you understand why we wouldn't read that, right? Because it's like, oh, whoa, where are we going here, right? But lo and behold, behold is in the original language. One word, unlock worship in your life and in my life, the word Behold, I came to discover that both in the Old and New Testament, the word behold is used over 1,500 times. 1,500. That's a lot. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like we don't use the word behold in our everyday language. Like you don't hear anybody going around like, hey, behold, come over here. Behold, be, you know, behold this, behold that. No, we unless you were at a Shakespearean play or something where the actors may be saying, so, behold. 
You know, you just wouldn't see that in everyday language. We use words more, more like this, like, check it out, right? Check, check it out. Or we say something like, would you look at that? In fact, there's a comedian who made a name for himself by simply using the phrase over and over again, would you look at that? So, because we don't use the word behold in our everyday language, when we read it in the Bible, we just kind of read over it. We just kind of read past it, like, like even some of the translations decided to leave it out. Because we don't talk like that today. But in leaving it out, we would miss the key to unlocking worship in our life. It is a little bitty Greek word. It's only four letters in length. And it's pronounced edu. I want you to practice with, with me. It's kind of like that French adu, but eh, eh, edu. Say it with me, adu. Just four little letters. Behold. Adu. Behold in biblical terms can mean look, open your eyes, pay attention. In fact, it's often paired with an exclamation point, and in scripture, an exclamation mark is the grammatical equivalent of a slap in the face to get your attention to pay attention. Behold! It's not a gentle request. It's not like, well, if you want to. It's a passionate plea. When God uses it, he's grabbing us and urging us to notice something incredible that we urgently need to see. Now, some of you here today may be aware of some other behold verses. For example, in Isaiah 43, 19, Isaiah wrote this. Behold, I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you see it? Behold. Isaiah, when he was writing that, was prophesying, writing on behalf of God, that something new was going to happen. And most people don't, aren't aware that this verse is actually pointing to the birth of Jesus Christ. Behold, I'm about to do something new. You've got to see this. Probably the most famous behold verse in all of the Bible, even if you're not a regular churchgoer, you quite likely have heard this verse before. It's found in Revelation 3.20, and it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I stand. God is saying, check this out. You got to see this. Pay attention. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone 
will hear my voice and will open the door. I will come in and eat with him. It's God's invitation for you and I to have relationship with him. Behold, pay attention, look, you got to see this. I am. <laughs> Behold is God's admonition for you and I to stop, look, and listen. I wonder, I wonder how much of our success spiritually and in life comes down to just simply stopping and paying attention. The greatest need anyone in this room has, or for that matter, anyone on planet Earth has, is to know God. That is your greatest need. That is my greatest need. To know who God is. It's greater than any financial need you or I have. It's greater than any physical need that you and I have. It's greater than any relational, greater than any sociological, greater than any political need that any one of us has our need to know who God is. Conversely, the greatest ploy of the enemy of our souls is to make sure we stay distracted from knowing who God is. That is his greatest ploy. That is his greatest uh, way of keeping us from us finding our, our true needs satisfied in life. And what does he do? He uses ways to keep us from paying attention. Constant distractions here, there, over here. We have, it's like we all have spiritual ADD. Oh, we can't, we can't. Our culture particularly has found itself in a place where, there's, where we just find it difficult to stop. Just stop. And behold. Behold takes time. Behold takes time. If you've got no time, you can't behold. Beholding takes time. When you behold, you have to lean into it. There's no such thing as drive-by beholding. There's no such thing as that. You can't do a drive-by and behold at the same time. You have to stop what you're doing, look, 
and keep looking and stay looking. If you, if we are going to see what God needs us to see, we have to behold. The shepherds beheld who God is and what he was doing because they left behind the usual for the unusual. They left what was their every day to go and see a miracle. Now, back in the 90s, there was this fad, and they were called stereograms. Some of you may know them by this name, a magic eye. Anybody? I have one here for you on the screen. There it is, right there. Now, I picked out a Christmas-themed one, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, obviously, some of you in here haven't lived long enough to know. But they were in the papers. Do you remember? They used to put them in the papers, and you'd try to see what you were supposed to see. Now, on the surface, on the surface of this thing, if you look at it, I realize there, it's a little ways away, so it may be hard to see. Please leave it up. Thank you. It may be hard to see, but there are some stockings on there. There's some candy canes. There's some bulbs and some bells, and, and the greenery looks like Christmas greenery, right? So your initial look at this, it's like it looks like wrapping paper, right? Looks like Christmas wrapping paper. But if you behold it, you will see something else. Now, I was, I'm not bragging, but I was pretty good at being able to, when there was a fad back in the 90s, to see the images. Now, there's multiple methods to being able to unlock this hidden image, right? But there are some common principles. Now, I know some of you right now are staring your brains out, right? Okay, just stop. Just listen to me, okay? Don't play the game right now. You're staring, you're looking, you're like, what am I supposed to see? Just relax, all right? You're not close enough to this thing to be able to pull it off, okay? So there are some general principles to unlock being able to see the 3D image contained in this picture. The first step, they tell you, is to draw near to the picture. Hello? Doesn't the Bible say that if we draw near to God, God will? But do you know what? You can't do a drive-by draw near to God. You have to stop. 
You have to lean into it. That's step number one. Step number two, they tell you, is to focus on the picture and relax your vision. The other day, as I was making preparation for this, I called Josh into my office. I said, Josh, I want you to see if you can see the image in this picture. He gave it all of five seconds and said, nope, I can't do it. That's it right there. One, two, three, four, five. Nope, I can't do it. And I think, I think, I believe that part of our spiritual ADD problem is that we don't give it more than five seconds till we conclude, I can't do it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Because yeah. we're too busy going somewhere else. We're too busy, and when we sit down to maybe take a quick look, we think, well, I need to go do this, and I need to go do that. You can't behold and keep up with the usual. You have to trade the usual for the unusual. Number three, oh, by the way, when it means relax your vision, what works for me is I cross my eyes. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I cross my eyes. Now, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, relaxing your vision, have any of you ever fallen asleep to the TV? Anybody? Everybody, right? <laughs> Have you ever had that moment when you're, when you're almost there? You're out. You don't know you're out yet, but you're almost there. And there's a couple TV screens in your vision. Anybody? I'm like, I got two Perry Masons going on right now. <laughs> Which one am I supposed to look at? And then the next thing you know, you're out. Right? That's what it means to relax your vision. You, 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 you're, you're, looking, you're seeing stuff cross-eyed right now. Have you ever fallen asleep reading a book? Does anybody read books? I, I, okay. And you, or the paper or something, you've fallen asleep and the words get blurry? You are relaxing your vision. Your vision is starting to relax. You see, part of the problem in our, un our, our inability to behold is we can't relax. Just relax. It's the key to unlock worship in your life. 
The third step is after you have drawn near and you have relaxed your vision, stay in that mode. Stay in that mode. Whenever you do these little picture things, and it starts, you start to see what you're supposed to see. There is something intuitive in us that says, I got to get back to normal. Well, oh, what's going on here? I got, well, this ain't right. I got to get back. I, I'm cross-eyed. Am I going to stay this way? You know, you're looking like this. You're like, whoa, whoa. There's something in us that wants to say, uh, I got to get back to the way things, uh, things I'm used to. But in order to see what we need to see, we need to stay in that mode. When that happens, this image begins to materialize. And there's something about, it's the weirdest thing ever. When you see that what you're supposed to see in this picture, um, you can look at it from different directions. It's weird. It's this, it's weird. I don't know what to tell you. But you realize you're caught up in something that is very different and unique. The writers of Scripture spoke of seeing Jesus in this way. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer said, called us to fix, fix our eyes on Jesus. And then he goes on to say, consider him. Dick Grout in his book, The Art of Leading Worship, says, fixing your eyes on Jesus is the key to worship. To fix in the Greek means to look away and look to. That's the first step of beholding. To look away from the things that normally have my attention and look to Jesus. But the second step of considering him will help the image become emboldened in your minds. When we consider in our language today, it means we take a little bit of time to usually briefly think about something. But again, in the original language, it means much more than that. It means to fix or fill your gaze with whatever it is you are considering. Is it any wonder that the wise men saw something? Think about it. That's, that's what they did for a living. They were beholding the heavens, looking to the stars. My wife, sometimes when we get home at nighttime and there's a clear night, that once or twice in western New York, we'll be walking down our sidewalk and she'll say, Look at the sky. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm, you know, normally I got my head down, make sure I'm not tripping over something. And, I, and I, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And you keep right on going. She, 
she was beholding in that moment. I was going out on about what I usually do. In order to behold, you have to stop. You have to fix your gaze and stay with it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back to the platform. Now, here's the thing. You're thinking, what does this have to do with worship? What does this have to do with come let us adore him? Can I just say to you that when you begin to see God for who he really is, you will automatically begin to worship. You, will, you won't be able to help yourself. You won't have to work it up like, oh, I got to get, I got I to get in the mood here. Now I got to get in the mood. No, when you see the picture, the, the reason that the shepherds came away from their moment worshiping and praising God, the reason Mary was on her knees in her heart magnifying and praising God, the reason the wise men traveled nearly a thousand miles so that they could fall down prostrate before Jesus was because they saw, they saw who God really is. And all they knew to do was to worship. You and I have this same opportunity that those we read about in the Christmas story had. You may say, well, nobody, no angels have ever showed up in my world. You know, Gabriel hasn't uh, come down to my bedroom lately. Listen, it's even better than that for you and I. Because the Bible is clear that because of what Jesus did, the veil has been removed from our eyes. If we want the veil removed, it's been removed. And when, when Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians, he says, he says it like this, he says, we have the opportunity to see something others long to see years ago. When we see what God would have us see, it will change us. It will change you.
And I'm telling you, if you stay in that mode, if you, when, when everything in you is saying, go back to doing the usual, go back to what's normal, this is uncomfortable, I'm not used to doing it. If you hang in there, what you need to see about who God really is will start to take shape. By the way, some of you are probably wondering what you were supposed to see in that picture. You remember that picture looked like a piece of Christmas wrapping with some stockings and some bulbs and, 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 and candy canes and whatnot. But hidden in that picture is a Christmas tree with beautiful presents all around the bottom. That's what God wants us to see. Wants us to see who he really is because it's our greatest need. But to do that, we have to be. John said, I'm, I'm done. John 1:14. This is his Christmas message. He said. We have beheld his glory. The glory of the one and the only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The reason those early believers were committed to death, to following Jesus, is because they saw what they needed to see. It's no different. back into a time of worship and I encourage you to fix your gaze on him. Let him begin to give you insights and understanding. Lord, I pray right now as we find ourselves in a very, 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 very distracting time you would help us in the midst of us as we go about the usual as we go about the things that we do each and every Christmas Lord help us to take time 